0: Amen. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about reevaluating. It is time to reevaluate. Sometimes we just need to stop. We need to slow down. We need to, you know, just pause from all of our busyness and running long enough to reexamine our priorities and think about what's really important in life. To reevaluate. Reevaluate, that means to reassess the value of something, to reassess the significance, worth, or condition by careful appraisal and study. I don't know what the name of the show is but I'm sure that some of you have seen it or at least know what I'm talking about where, you know, somebody buys a $2 piece of junk at a garage sale and then they take it on this TV show and they tell them, oh, this is worth $2,000. Anybody ever seen that? <laughs> that is a re-evaluation. I mean, here there was something that they had that, you know, they thought w- wasn't worth much at all and all of a sudden it's worth a lot of money. And you know what? There's a lot of times it's just the opposite. People think that something's worth a lot, and then in reality, it's not worth much. But you see, we in our lives, sometimes we just need to reevaluate and see what's really valuable. I mean, we need, you know, sometimes I think we kind of know in the back of our minds, but we need to actually think about it and consider carefully and prayerfully what's really valuable in our lives. I mean, if you look at the lives of most Americans, it seems like money is just of huge, great value in their life. It's so important. I mean, they spend so much of their life and time and energy and effort and willpower and everything they've got trying to make that dollar, trying to have some more stuff, just a little more, just a little more, just a little more. I mean, our money says, in God, we trust on it. And though few would admit it, actions speak louder than words. I tell you, a lot of people put way more trust in the dollar than they do in the Lord. I mean, you know, having a little God is in your life is okay, you know, as long as we got some money in in the bank account, we're good, right? No, the vast majority seem to put their trust in money. Proverbs eleven twenty eight 28 says, He who trusts in his riches will fall. Right. Money can't buy you health. No, it can't. It might, it might buy you the best health care, but sometimes, like the woman with the issue of blood, you can spend all the money that you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's still not enough. You know, Money can't buy you happiness. A lot of people think it can, but it, it just can't. A wise person told me one time, though, they said, now, uh, money can't buy happiness, but it's hard to be happy without it. And there's, I understand what they were saying. You know, there's a little bit of truth in that. And, you know, you 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 need to have money to be able to put food on the table and basic necessities of life. But I tell you, it's really a matter of perspective. It's really... Well, let me put it this way. I, I read in the uh, news one day that uh, there was a woman that, in her divorce settlement. She was going to have $53,000 a month. And uh, she said, that's just not fair. There's no way that I can live at my current standard of living on 53000 a month. It's real relative, isn't it? It's all a matter of perspective. I mean, now some of us, were, thi- we're thinking, wow, that's a lot of money. Did you know that people in third world countries think the same thing about you? Uh uh-huh. Yes, sir. Amen. It's just a matter of perspective. I mean, can we really be happy without that new phone? I'm just messing with you a little bit, but you know what? Far too often, our contentment, our happiness, it's all based on comparison with others. You know, if you compare with those that have more than you, it, it leaves you feeling discontent. And you, when, when you visit a third world country and you realize how much you have, it makes you realize, yeah, you feel a lot more blessed and content than you did before. But we need a biblical perspective on this. And that's what we want to look at tonight is what does the Bible say is valuable? But I, I want to address this issue with money because it is such a, it is, it is the thing that so many people value way too highly. But here's what the Bible says. This is a Bible perspective. Be content with what you have. Is that really the American way? Y'all are real quiet. I guess it's just one of those things. It's just kind of hard to swallow when we really think about our attitudes and the way we are. Be content with what you have. Well, here it is. It's uh, Hebrews 13:5. In the NIV, it says it this way: "Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. Wow. In 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, it says this, Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Wow. I'm glad to see that everybody here has clothing. And from what I can tell, most of us have had food. Some of us more than we need. That's right. Just look right up here. I'm working on it. But here's what I want to say to you about that, is that we just need to realize in our culture, it's so easy to get caught up in this mindset where we value things and material stuff and money so highly that we end up putting it above true valuables. And that's where the real issue is. Our lives are so much more important than our stuff. More important than a newer, nicer car, a bigger, better house, or just the newest, latest thing. Luke 12, 15, Jesus says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. It's not about the stuff. Jesus says, watch out for greed covetousness. The Bible also says that covetousness is idolatry. You see, we don't, we don't have, you know, golden idols that we bow down to, but yet a lot of people have this greed in their heart, this covetousness. They always want a little more, a little more, a little more. And the Bible says it's the sin of idolatry. But we, need, we just need to realize what's really important in life what our true valuables are. And here, we're going to get to the first one, the most important one. What's really important in this life is having a relationship with God. It's knowing Him personally. That's the most valuable thing that you can have in your life, is to have a real relationship with God, to truly know Him. After the Apostle Paul met Jesus He did a little re-evaluating, and I I, I want to tell you that the Apostle Paul uh, had a lot of things that he could have valued in his life, and I'm sure he did at one point. He had an education, and the time in which he lived, that was a rare thing. The Apostle Paul was a very respected religious man. He had a lot of clout religiously. There were a lot of things in his life that he could have valued, a lot of things he had going for him by the standards of this world. But listen to what he says in Philippians 3 7 and 8. What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. He says, I consider everything else garbage compared to knowing Him. This is reevaluating this is having the right values in your life everything else to me is just garbage it goes on the dung heap i mean that's real close to the actual greek there it's it's dung it goes on the dung heap everything else compared to knowing jesus is worthless this is the most valuable thing in my life is to know christ I'll tell you, if we get a hold of just this one thing, I'm not talking about, yeah, yeah, we know. I'm not talking about in the head. I'm talking about in the heart. We get a hold of this one thing. It'll change the way we live every day. It'll change this whole attitude that there is in America right now, you know, about, you know, oh, whatever, you know. Yeah, I go to church once in a while, you know. Me and Jesus, we're cool, And the almighty dollar is driving their life and their choices and their decisions. I just want to preach tonight. I feel like I'm on a soapbox a little bit. It's just a a little wood platform. But anyway, a relationship with Jesus is worth far more than anything else in this world. We We just need to pause and set it straight in our mind and heart. Uh, You know, the more you know him, the more you know that, that he is the most valuable thing in your life. And if you don't know it, well, you just don't know him very well. The value of the Lord being our all in all, it needs to be evident to others. We need to live it. We need to model it for our children and our grandchildren, Patrick Henry. He's the guy that during the American Revolution said, give me liberty or give me death. He's kind of known for that. But near the end of his life, he made this statement. He says, I have now bequeathed all my property to my family. There is one thing more I wish I could give them, and that is the faith in Jesus Christ. If they had that, and I had not given them a single shilling, they would have been rich. And if they had not that, and I had given them all the world, they would be poor indeed. You know, it's a wonderful thing to leave an inheritance to your children. And the Bible speaks of leaving an inheritance to your children's children. That's a wonderful thing. But if we have our values right, we know that what Patrick Henry said is absolutely true. How much more important it is to leave them a heritage of faith that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you valuing the Lord above all else models that for them and shows that to them and helps them to receive that In their life, we need to reconsider. How valuable is it to have a relationship with God? You know, they say the value of something is determined by what people are willing to pay for it. Not what you're willing to pay for it. What he paid for it. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, not money. Money can't do it. He says, from your aimless conduct, the NIV says, empty way of life, received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. How valuable is this relationship? It was purchased By the precious blood of Christ, that's the value of us being able to have a relationship with God and to be close to him. See, no amount of money, no efforts of man could ever do it. His blood redeemed us. So many in our society are still living that empty way of life, and it's empty no matter how much stuff they have. We just need to remember when he redeemed us, we were bought and paid for. He valued us so much and we belong to him. That's what the Bible says, that we are not our own. We've been bought with a price, a very high price. We belong to him. And if we value him above all else, It'll show in our life the way we use our time, our treasure, and our talents. But we just need to reassess how valuable it is to have a relationship with God. Next, we need to value the Word of God. It is not the leather and the pages and the ink. It is the words that are in this book. And I understand that you can have it on a lot of electronic devices, and praise God for that. You know, you can have it on your computer, your iPad, your phone, tablet, whatever else. And that's a wonderful thing. But I just want to say to you that the words of God, the Word of God itself is valuable, and we need to put a much higher value on it than what we do. Listen, you know, people will pay $40, $60, $100 a month for cable TV. People will pay 30 to $70 a month for internet. And, and I'm not knocking that, but I, I'm just wanting to get at this. You know, we have the Bible, for basically, for us in America especially, it's basically free. I mean, you can have as much of the Word as you want. If you don't have a Bible, I will give you one tonight. But you can go online and, and download it. You, you, everybody can have it free. We can have it all around us every day. It's free. And, we, and be, I think because of that, we so take it for granted and we don't value it. It's like no big deal. Psalm 119 verse 72 says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. What if you had to pay $1,000 to get a Bible? I just want to tell you, if you got any spiritual brains at all, you would find $1,000 as fast as you could and buy one. That's how valuable it is. If, it, if you could pay 100000 if you could get it together, it's worth it. It's worth more than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. This is what the Scripture says about itself. Oh, these words. These are the words of life. These words give me faith. These words, God speaks to me through these words. These words show me how to live. I'm telling you, we just need to value it so much more than we do. This, people say, "Oh, I don't understand the Bible. Oh, it's hard to read. I fell asleep on it. We just don't value it enough. You know, you start reading back here in Numbers somewhere and you got tired and sleepy. I get that. I say this a lot of times just because I think people sometimes need a little help. Read Genesis. Wonderful stories of the patriarchs. You see how God moved and worked in their life. Read the book of Psalms. You'll be able to relate to all of the things that the psalmist talks about. Read the book of Proverbs. So much wisdom there. Read the New Testament. Yeah, read the whole thing. Read Revelation last. You're going to understand about a tenth of it. And even the guys that study it all their life understand about half of it, although they'll tell you they got it all figured out. Not even going to mess with that tonight. Psalm 119 and verse 127, Therefore I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. Verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I mean, can you imagine if you found some great treasure? I remember one time I had this dream. I was driving down the road and there's this bag laying in the middle of the road and I get that bag and it's full of money. Wow! You know what's better? It's right here. Better. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I'm just telling you, if we understood the power of the word of God, we would reevaluate its place in our life and make it a priority. One word from God can change your life. One word from God can heal you. One word from God can set you free and make you whole. One word from God. Psalm 19, verse seven through 11 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, And righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. I just want to tell you we show how valuable the Word of God is to us by our love for it, by our devotion to read it, to meditate it, to live by it. People say, "Oh, I can't. You know, I just can't do that. I can't memorize it. I can't. You know, it's hard to do. Blah 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 blah." Here we go. Philippians four thirteen. I can. Y'all say it. Well, oh, y'all just went ahead and said the whole thing. I was just giving you two words at a time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, there's not one person in here that can't memorize this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if you get this one, I want to tell you, you can do some others. You can learn some more. I can do all things. Can you learn some more? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you read your Bible and understand it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, you can. You know... We have these two valuables that are the basic makeup of our spiritual life: this relationship with God that that we have, where we pray and we talk to Him, and He talks to us, and and then we we spend time in His Word. And I, I just I want to mention this now. You know, we're living in a time where there's somewhat of a health craze, and uh, and and that's not a bad thing. I mean. 1 Timothy 4.8 says bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. So there's nothing wrong with working out and, you know, trying to take care of yourself. In in fact, I would encourage you, don't don't let yourself go. You know, you're more likely to be sickly and not be able to do things that you want to do and maybe even things that God would want you to do. So try to take care of yourself. Don't let yourself go. That's that's of a little value. It's a... Profits a little. That's what it said. There's a little value to that. But how much more value is there to taking care of our inside that profits for this life and the one to come? See, don't let yourself go spiritually. Don't be undisciplined. No, value the things that are really important. Take care of the inside. Another great valuable that comes from the Word of God is wisdom. So much of a need for wisdom in our day and time when people live so foolishly and carelessly and make such bad choices in life and bring such trouble on themselves. And usually when it happens, when the trouble comes, they say, I don't know why God did this to me. Oh, how we need wisdom. You know why people don't seek wisdom? They don't value it. No, it's, in fact, it's rather valued and considered to be hip and cool to just be kind of wild and careless. But the Bible tells us to be very careful how we live, to be wise, you know. Those that have wisdom of God, the wisdom of God are blessed. Proverbs 3, 13 through 18 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor." You see, when we have the wisdom of God, those other things come. You know, the Lord asked Solomon, what do you want? I mean, it was, it was almost like, I don't want to be disrespectful in any way, but it's almost like that, you know, genie in the bottle moment. Like, what do you want? And what if the Lord just said, what, what do you want? He could have asked for great wealth, for great fame, the death of his enemies, all kinds of selfish desires. He could have asked for anything. And instead, he asked for wisdom to be able to govern God's people. And so you know what the Lord did? He said, because you have asked for this wisdom, he says, I'm going to give you this wisdom and I'm going to give you all that other stuff too. And he did. I just want you to know that we need to value the wisdom of God. Where do you find it? Well, you find it in the scripture. And he also makes us a promise that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all men. He doesn't hold back but you got to ask in faith, nothing wavering. I'm just telling you though, that wisdom from God is available to us and we need to value it far above. Searching on Google. What does Google say? Chat GPT or whatever it is. A good grief. AI. Let me tell you about an intelligence. None of that can even touch. He knows everything. Everything. We serve an amazing God. Verse 17, he goes on, he says, her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. We're talking about peace right now on Sundays and I don't want to take anything away from the Lord's ability to give you peace no matter what's going on in your life. But let me tell you, a lot of times people struggle to have peace in their life because of a lot of foolish decisions that they've made. They've brought a world of trouble on themselves because of bad decisions. And and can God turn it around and can God give you peace in the midst of all that? Yes, he can. But I just want to tell you, it is so much better when you get God's wisdom. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Make wise choices. You're going to have a whole lot more peace in your life. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. So valuable. If you look at the word of God, Proverbs 16, 16, it says, how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. See, because wisdom will always set you in a place of blessing. I'm talking about God's wisdom. It will set you in a place of blessing. Another great valuable should be our family. I've known a few zealous soul winners, ministers who were so intent on saving the world that they lost their own family. And I'm not saying they shouldn't answer the call of God. I'm just saying that we should always value our family. You just you can't put a price on family. How foolish it is when people get caught up in their careers, their selfish ambitions, and sometimes even their hobbies, and they devalue their family. I I just want to tell you, it goes really fast. I'll be 64 in three months. And uh, I find myself, uh, you know, getting older <laughs> in a number of ways and, you know, physically. And, and I, I keep singing that, this is the first line of that old song, Yesterday When I Was Young. You know when it was? It was yesterday. Yesterday, when I was young, it goes really fast. And so I say to all of you, um, but especially those of you that have kids and grandkids, it, it goes fast, and nobody ever on their deathbed said, man, I wish I spent more time at work but there's a whole lot of people that wished that they would have valued their family more. In fact, you know, I read this this week about somebody that was diagnosed with a terminal illness and facing serious health issues. And, and they were like, well, you know what? I'm going to step out of my career so I can spend time with my family. And you know, I understand that we all do. And I'm not saying that you, you know, you're going to quit your job. But I'm saying, you see, we need to learn from that. What really is valuable, there's things that are more important. And I want to tell you this, there are kids that grow up in a, in a, relatively low-income household with a great relationship with their parents and they know the Lord and they're happy and they're blessed. And there are kids that grow up with a silver spoon stuck in their mouth and everything handed to them and they are miserable little snots. We got to have our values straight. And what your kids need more Then that new iPhone, regardless of what they tell you, is you. That's right, brother, time. Learned a long time ago. Children spell time L, or excuse me, I did it backwards. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. There you go. Not money. Husbands, this one's just for you. Proverbs 31, 10, and 11, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. If you've got a godly woman, oh, how you need to value her. She's worth far more than rubies. Value your family. And we should value our church family, spiritual family, brothers and sisters in Christ. I still call people brother and sister, especially if they're my age or older. I like to do that. I know it's kind of weird to some of the young ones. But the reason I do it is not because I'm old fashioned. It's because I'm Bible believing. And I see in the scripture that they called each other brethren you know, they had, we have that mentality that we're family, not pretend. We are spiritual family. We're going to be family for all eternity. But, you know, it changes the way you look at people if you, if you view people that way. But I just want to say a lot of people in our culture, and I'm talking about those so-called Christians, have devalued the church. That the church is like, I can take it or leave it, and they mostly leave it. It's like no big deal. Listen, the church, Jesus thought it was so important, he gave himself for her. It's his church and he's coming back for, guess what? The church, that's it. Nothing and nobody else, just the church. And the church is not some man-made organization. The church is the body, the living body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And we as the body of Christ, we need to value the church and our brothers and sisters. Realize this is, you know, this is where we, we love one another, we encourage one another, we pray for one another, we bear with one another, and we bear one another's burdens. We stand with one another in prayer, and you know, when people are going through something, you know what? We're right there with them. That's the way it's supposed to be. Face life together. And I just want to go ahead and I can't leave this out. We should also value the lost. As I see, I've seen this attitude sometimes lately among believers that it's kind of like, you know what? We don't care about them. They're so bad. I want to tell you, no matter how wicked they are, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for them also. And they may act like animals, but we shouldn't treat them like animals. We should treat them like those who were created in the image of God. See, the book of James tells us we don't don't curse those who were made in the image of God. No, we bless them. And what do you do when they curse you? You bless them. See, here's what I know, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That he tells us that the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and find that one lost. He values the lost. And there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons that don't need any repentance. He values the loss, And the same precious blood that was shed for us was shed for them. Last, we need to value the call and the purpose of God in our life. Some people disregard that. They put their hobby, their work, everything else seems to be before God's work and God's call. Hebrews eleven twenty four 24 through 26 in the NIV gives us a good example in Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses, who grew up in Pharaoh's household, had all the education, all of the wealth, the prestige, the fame, the power, all of the things that people in this world want. He had it all, but he valued the sake of Christ was of greater value to him. He was looking ahead to a reward. How sad, you know, he talks about this pleasure of sin for a moment. So many choose pleasure over an eternal reward. You read the story about Esau and how he traded away his birthright for a bowl of soup and yet there are lots of people that do it every day. We have an eternal reward. Don't trade it away because you're busy with your hobby and your pleasures. And, and listen, we, we just need to get this right. It needs to be said a lot because a lot of people are so deceived and make up their own you know, religion and call it Christian. But there's nothing in the Bible about that we get to heaven that we're all going to have the same reward. That's not in the Bible. In fact, over and over and over in the teaching of Jesus and all through the Scripture, it makes it clear that there's going to be great reward for those who have served the Lord and obeyed the Lord and worked for the Lord. And there are going to be many that are saved, the Bible says, yet so as by fire, with no reward. Yes, they're going to make it, but no reward because their life The works of their life was burned up in the fire. Moses had an eternal reward he knew was far more valuable than anything that Egypt could ever offer him. You know, that's... We got to value the work of the Lord and see that, you know, we value eternal souls... You know that this, this is what's really valuable, what's really important, and in our life personally, making a difference and being a part of that. But I want to encourage you tonight just to consider carefully what you value. I called it reevaluate, but it's in a sense it's reprioritizing and. I think the real issue here is it's not like this is some new truth. It's just that we need to sit down, you know, or get on our knees, how you want to do it. But we just need to get real with God about it and say, you know, I want my values to be right. I want to keep things right. Because you see, it's not just what we think or intend it is those daily choices. Just the the sometimes what we think is insignificant or even little is what really determines what we are valuing in our life. As we can say, this is this is the most important thing. This is the value above all else. But then, are, is it? Is, are we bearing that out? Are we living that out in our life? Or are we deceiving ourselves? And so I just want to encourage you and challenge you to pray about this and get your values right. Get your priorities in order. And I want to tell you you'll be glad. See, some of that stuff it's such a deception and it's such it's it's just emptiness. But when your values are right, oh it's rich. It's much much better than silver and gold rubies, all that. I'm going to quit. Stand with me. We're going to pray.